the whole career was just sort like, sorry, what? Are you sure? <laughs> okay, I guess. This is Jackie of All Trades, a podcast that explores the multi-creative identity and the rise of the portfolio career among millennials and Gen Z in the creative industries. I'm Katura, a DJ, creative, strategist, CEO, and self-described Jackie of All Trades with a 10-year portfolio career spanning music, digital marketing, and cultural strategy. On this podcast, I speak to people who have also designed their own careers and are successfully juggling multiple creative pursuits to understand what it takes, what they've learned, and how you can do the same. This season, I'm joined by writer, content creator, podcaster, and author Taliti. DJ, radio broadcaster, TV presenter, A&R and music label owner, Jam Supernova. Journalist, writer, strategist and director, Nati Kasambala. And DJ, writer, artist manager, music label owner and cultural curator, Elijah. This episode is all about Nati Kasambala. You may know her for her writing with Gaudem and her work with record labels like Columbia and Sony. And now she's working as a music editor at large for Dazed and is a music video director as well. I first met Natty while she was working at Columbia and I was there as the consultant leading the social media campaign to launch the artist Coffee. I'm super excited for you to hear Natty's story. Hi, I'm Natty Katambala. I am a writer, editor, director, strategist and broadcaster. I think that's the lot. So I want to go back to the beginning. Tell me about the start of your journey that has now progressed into a portfolio career for you. Passions, hobbies, work experience, where did it all start? Yeah, um, I think I never really knew what I wanted to do at all, uh, which probably tracks considering I still don't really know what I do. Um, but I was always just really interested in like music, film and just like arts and culture really. Um, and then I went to university to do a degree that shows that you don't know what to do, which was philosophy. <laughs> and I just was like, I just know I want to be in London. And like philosophy was pretty interesting to me, even though I'd never really studied it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like that was served as like the backdrop to kind of get into arts and culture and like going to loads of shows and just like meeting new people. Um, and the first place I ever kind of wrote for was Galdem, which I say every every time I do any kind of interview, I'm just like, shout out Galdem. Shout out Galdem. <laughs> um, but I think I literally found them on Facebook and I was just like, this is really cool. And they were kind of still based in Bristol, like mm-hmm. tiny um, organisation. And I like sent them a message on Facebook, like, keep doing you girls. Like, this is amazing. Oh. Um, and Liv, who was the founder, like just got back to me on email and was like, oh, would you like to write for us? Mm. And, like, I'd always kind of been, like, maybe I'll be a writer. Like, maybe I'll go into, like, the BBC or something. Like, do something serious or politics. And my parents had always said, you know, you always say you want to be a writer, but you've never written anything. So I'd written, like, one blog post that I then sent to Liv. And I was like, this is the piece I wrote when Prince died. And I was really emotional about it. Like, this is my only sample. I didn't even know it was a sample at the time. It was just, like, on WordPress. Mm. And she was like, yeah, perfect. I'll hook you up with Antonia, who's a music editor. Um, yeah, and then I wrote a couple of pieces for them while I was still studying, um, which then led me to, I guess I was like, well, this is the only real path I have. And I just applied to loads of internships mm. across like TV, like journalism, everything, because I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, and then I got one unpaid at Dazed for like as soon as I graduated. Mm-hmm. 
And so I like quit my job <laughs> to work full time there unpaid. And I was there for, yeah, for a month kind of transcribing stuff and pitching stories um, and doing a bit of writing. Um, and yeah, I think after that, I kind of realized like as much as I loved writing, I just knew that I didn't want to be a full-time writer in that capacity right. and like in a newsroom or like mm. in that situation. But I like had had like successful articles, or whatever, and I still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, off the back of that, I then went straight into an internship at Sony Music. It was the thing of like, I had applied to all these internships in January, at, like The Guardian, BBC, mm. Sony. Sony was the only one I got a call back for. Oh, really? Yeah, the only one I got an interview for. And then I just got it. Right. And nice. even with Sony, it was like, completely general mm-hmm. and then it was just like they kind of assigned you like a label and like a different department and all mm-hmm. of that stuff I just kind of ended up in Columbia marketing without really knowing what marketing was mm-hmm. at a label that was like a massive major and mm-hmm. I'd always see myself as like this niche like yeah, indie <laughs> indie kid um and then I thought I would stay there for a year and then I stayed there for like four okay that, yeah. I think that's how we met yeah you were at, at Columbia at yeah Columbia. I was working on the coffee campaign yeah um, so I was just in the marketing team there and then I would kind of slowly try to keep my writing up as I was going and then slowly but surely like I built a bit more of a like portfolio mm-hmm. and then eventually it just got to the point where I knew that I want like I enjoyed writing as much as I enjoyed what I was doing at Columbia okay and the way that the setup <laughs> the way that it was set up <laughs> the way the thing was set up uh, the, thing was, the way that everything was set up I wasn't really able to kind of give them equal weight and still like have a life and mm-hmm. be like a healthy person because I was working more than full time going to like multiple gigs a week and then writing every evening writing a weekend mm-hmm. and like it was just like a bit unsustainable but I kind of had seen this like gap gap in the market for like something that was a bit more I guess like a more holistic approach or like a strategy type approach okay. within the label that was like focusing on like artists that we're pitching for and kind of like wider strategy and like cultural marketing mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff um and that I went into that role that we kind of created for me and I went into that role at four days a week, which gave me one day a week to write, um, which I did for like a year. And then we entered the pandemic um, and it was just hard because it was like we hadn't fully like cemented it before we were all working from home and like Mm. kind of doing it when you can't leave the house and like there's no real physical stuff going on. Mm -hmm. I think writing started to take over more and more of my time to the point where I just realised that, like, I wanted something that gave me a bit more freedom to do both. Okay. And that's when I quit. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I know, I feel like I'm literally telling my actual life story. Um, <laughs> the journey. Yeah, that's the point. And then from there, I kind of, like, what was happening with the artist positioning stuff was really good, but it just, I think, where I was doing it just didn't feel quite right. Mm-hmm. And so in the end someone from the central Sony team had like spoken to me and said, you know, like what you're doing in terms of like these documents that you're creating is really good. We'd like to like implement that on a wider Sony level. Okay. So if you'd like to come work with us instead, you can do the same thing, Mm. but for like across Sony. Right. um, And like three days a week. So yeah. Yeah. It was like with people who I'd worked with across like insights and kind of sitting within the fourth floor creative team. Mm -hmm. Um, which meant that you kind of get to work with smaller labels who have a bit more, have a smaller roster and just like figuring out all of their developing talent. Mm -hmm. So I did that for another year as I kind of kept writing um, and the profile was kind of going up 
alongside that. And mm-hmm. then we kind of went back into the office and that was nice to be back in like a social yeah, yeah. situation, even part time. Um, and then while halfway through that, I was approached by Dazed to become the music editor at large. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of took me back to full time and it was a bit much. So I was kind of like muddling through like music editor at large there and then like strategy and then still trying to do freelance writing mm. and like all of these other things. And it became quite a lot. And I kind of had to realize like, you actually can't do everything yeah. all at once, yeah, which yeah. I'm sure we'll get onto. Mm. Um, and so I left that position after a year at Sony to go to Dazed. And that all takes right. us to like January this year. Just going back to you as a writer. So you write for Galdem. How did you navigate that in terms of like developing? Cause you went from writing one piece on Prince, mm, which mm. sounded like very emotionally driven, very <laughs> like, you know, something that you need to get out of your system. To, a diary entry. <laughs> yeah, diary entry. Mm. To developing, to getting commissioned for more pieces. Because it sounds like all the work experience was focused on a lot of like production skills and like generally just kind of like understanding different sides of the industry. Mm. But how did you, how are you able to develop as a writer throughout? Yeah, I think that's probably like the strangest part. Like there wasn't really any like development other than just doing it. Okay. Like I've never had, (laughs) never had a mentor. Mm. I've never had like lessons in how to write. I've never like really learned from that side. I don't have journalism qualifications, Mm. any of that sort of stuff. So it's very much just a process of like, little by little kind of building up. Okay. Like the first thing I ever did that wasn't Galdem, I think was like a crack magazine review. Mm-hmm. And I just remember just being like, why are you asking me? Like, <laughs> like, oh, review this Kalani album. I'm like, what? And then it goes into print and then it's like crack review have given Kalani this amount of stars and they think this. And, I'm, and it was such a trip that like going from literally just being a person who had opinions about music, mm. you could just enter and be like, this is what I think. And some magazine is giving you, yeah. like not giving you money to that, to do that, but just also like allowing you to attach mm. that to their name. So that, that was always really scary. And I just had to like, kind of read a lot of other reviews and see what kind of things they were looking for and how they spoke about stuff and what the kind of tone was like. Mm. And then just also just trust your gut. And then when I started to get further into, I guess like long form stuff and interviews, again, the same thing of just like, what you want me to go and sit in a room and talk to Megan the Stallion like Megan I think Megan was like one of the first proper artist interviews I, I did this, yeah. and I'm just like it, it's just bizarre like yeah. you know and you're like I just made these questions up and now I'm asking <laughs> you them and then afterwards I'll have to do what I what I can with that is um, that a different skill set from writing yeah oh yeah there's like there's a few things at play I think when it comes to profile writing especially like Half of it, not half of it, a a portion of it is like research, like pure research, knowing exactly what you want to go in with and knowing what, like the background Mm. and knowing how to like, not just ask the same questions and get the exact same things back. Mm -hmm. Another portion of it is like being a people charmer, like going in and being the therapist and Mm. actually getting someone to like disarm themselves, which I think is is the most forgotten part or the reason that like, it's like the differentiating aspect of like a good profile and the, like the memorable you know? ones versus yeah because yeah. you, you're able to get something that isn't just like the media train mm. answer or like just the kind of the obvious ones or the automatic ones and then there's the kind of like piecing that together into something that is interesting and like mm. telling that story and writing it um so it's a lot of different yeah so again strengths. at that point having not had done that before mm. where did that 
it was did it feel like it was a natural progression from from what I was doing yeah already. but like yeah. to have the confidence like Megan the Stallion ain't some like oh, yeah, come yeah. On, this is not some rapper from around the corner like what made you be like yeah I can do this Megan yeah. the Stallion of course I'll do it or I don't know was that what you were yeah, thinking I, like, that was definitely not what I was thinking <laughs> I think I was just like sorry what are you sure that, mm. I think the whole career was just so, like sorry what are you sure <laughs> okay I guess and then when someone would come back you're like I, I guess it wasn't awful so mm. yeah, I might as well keep doing it and I think the lucky thing about music is that you have that thing of like, oh, yeah, I'd love to chat to Megan. Mm. So if this is the way that I get to chat to Megan, yeah, then we yeah. got to just do what we have to do. Yeah. Um, so there's like that kind of payoff that kind of motivates you to even when you have it, like you're so scared or whatever, there's like a benefit and like it's a kind of life experience separately. Mm. But I'm, I say it like once every three months on Twitter, like if you told 15 year old me that I would speak to strangers and not just strangers, but like famous strangers mm. for a living, I would, I would have laughed you out of the room. I had to go to theatre school because I was so antisocial and really? like scared of people as a kid. Like my parents were scared I would never have mates because I was just like, I liked my parents and I liked my comfort and I had, mm. I've always been quite socially anxious. Um, and I think part of that made it harder to kind of get into that confidence of it. Right. But the other part makes you a little bit more empathetic. Right, because, okay. Because I think like something that people often forget when you're, you know, like in that position is you walk into a room and you know all of these things about this person and you are like ready with your questions and da da da. You might be like the tenth interview they've done today. Mm. They've not even been told your name, where you're from, any of your agenda. It, yeah. And you go in and you're like, so when your mother died, da 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 like will you share all of this information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, when my, when your mum died, will you share all this personal stuff and will you spill your guts to me, this stranger who's mm. like kind of mining you for content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think being able to like understand like how humans actually want to be approached mm. or like the apprehensions they might have and all of that stuff kind of plays into how you can not manipulate a situation because it's not that but it's like just be understanding and like yeah. do the normal basic things that you would do if mm. you're having a conversation with a stranger yeah so just circling back again to the, the other things that you do so you've kind of established like your writing career is, is moving um you've got that strategist role that you do in with four floor at, at sony where does broadcasting and directing come into it? Broadcasting kind of came around when I was first starting at Dazed. Um, I wrote an article about a Childish Gambino video, which the internet doesn't love very much anymore. But at the time it was blowing up. Was well, this um, America? Yeah, yeah, back in the day. And I, for some reason, like Radio 4 were like, oh, would you like to come on and like talk about it? Because it was just like the thing of the moment. And that was like the first time I came. You already have, because Radio 4 is quite a different world from, yeah. you know, the black and urban world. Like how, yeah. how did, where did that connection come from? That, it's the, it's the video. The video is the phenomenon. And like, I guess the video went viral. The <laughs> article I wrote in response also went viral, which was just breaking down some of the references in the video. Mm-hmm. Um, still to this day, one of Day's most top performing articles yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think because of that they were just looking for someone to come right. on and give a kind of like a uh, cultural opinion on it sure. um, and I was like 20 at the time or something or like 21 um, and that was the first time I think I had gone on like national radio mm. I had also been doing a Galden radio show on okay. Represent but that was like very much just us vibing and like playing songs that we liked mm. um, and then after that it kind of led to a little bit of a snowball and I 
I think I did like a video piece for them on the video as well. And then I was invited back to do a couple of reviews. I reviewed like a Spike Lee out, um, film that came out. So that was kind of like how I got into a little bit of like, I guess, just a more serious type of broadcasting. So reviewing in a broadcasting sense versus mm. like written, like what? Is that, is that a different skill set again? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And I think like, I never listen back to my appearances because I think really? you just, yeah, it's just different. Like having a conversation live versus being able to like play with your words right, and like edit okay. structure and just like have time is so different. Like you get to the end of it and they're like, thank you so much. And you're like, what did I say? I literally <laughs> blacked out. And then you listen back, you're like, what is she talking about? Yeah, like, yeah. What is she actually talking about? Um, it's, it's so different and I respect it so much. The way that people can fit so much into what would be the equivalent of like, one paragraph mm. of what you get when you're writing um, and they make it sound natural and they can, you know, do all of that. The thing I loved about it, though, is how little you're agonising over it as well because you get to so just... And then you it. walk out of the studio and you're Finished. like... Yeah. There's no edits, there's no rounds, there's mm. no, like, Google Doc comments that you have to go back and re- reject or accept. Like, it's done. And I think the next thing I did was I took over for Live on the Gowden podcast. I had a radio show after Represent. We kind of ended the Gowden show. And then I moved to Foundation to do a kind of like music and culture show for a a bit. Again, it was that thing of like, I just like the immediacy of radio and just having a chat and playing good music. Um, And then I think based off of that kind of experience of like just speaking and hosting, um, Liv left the Gowden podcast and she asked me to take over her place. Um, and then I've been doing that from, I think it's like, this is the second year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think off the back of that, I was approached for a Selfridges podcast, which we do, which is oh, like, wow. yeah, which is just like culture, different cultural stuff. The first season was like, just talking to different cultural, like producers, like artists, dancers, those kind of people. Um, and then the second season was about wellness. Mm-hmm. And then the third season was about the environment. Okay. Um, so yeah, just doing a, a couple bit of bits of podcast because I just think it's like such a nice and pure way to converse with people and like connect mm. with people. That's just like, you sit there, you have an amazing conversation and then that's all the work I actually yeah, have to do. Yeah, Someone yeah. goes and edits it, it makes it sound great. But like just being able to do that part of like the profiling work where it's just, it's just this like isolated mm. moment of like having a nice chat yeah, yeah, yeah. and like talking about stuff. You spoke about having social anxiety. Mm. How have you got from the point of not wanting to speak to anybody outside of your family to having conversations with strangers about multiple topics, Mm. things that you might not ever be necessarily that well versed on? Like how, like what's been the, I don't know, like the the mental or emotional journey, like, or how, yeah, yeah, the the, the progression to get to that point where you're super comfortable doing that? It's mad. Like it's... I think to a certain degree, like, it never really goes away. Like, mm-hmm. I still get nervous every time I do an interview. Like, every time. I get nervous leaving the house every every day. <laughs> um, but, like, I think, to be honest, even theatre like, theater school that I said I was forced to go to when I was a kid, it was, like, I think it was very valuable in teaching, like, just ways to, even when you're nervous, like, how do you push through that? Okay. How are you able to still, like, string a sentence together and not be like, mm. Yeah. And now the problem is I over-caffeinate myself and then I talk too fast. But, like, I think it's just taught me ways that, like, even when I'm pranging, like, you can just get through it. And often, like, when you're selective enough in terms of what you do, like, the interest will override mm-hmm. the kind of the nerves like if I'm interested enough in having a conversation like 
I I will try to be present in that okay. moment rather than thinking about like how I'm moving my hands yeah, or like yeah. how I'm moving my mouth and stuff. But it's definitely like a constant journey of just like breathing techniques and like coping mechanisms, cracking jokes, like focusing more on them, like mm. probably not looking at them. I think I've looked at you like three times this whole interview. Like it's a, it's a ton of stuff and it's a lot of practice, but mm. yeah, it is hard. It is hard. It's strange. I mean, you're doing it. It's happening. <sighs> yeah. It's working. Just about. I love how brutally honest Natty was about her career from navigating her journey, being at a major label and being in that corporate world to writing independently for different publications and still doing what she loves. Our next episode is going to include all of our guests and we'll talk about the role of technology and the internet, career defining moments, what connects the dots between their pursuits and the implications when one of your creative pursuits makes more or less money than the others. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on socials too. We're at J-O-A-T Podcast UK on Instagram and TikTok. There's loads more content there and you can also watch these episodes on YouTube as well. 